0: Say it again. Talk to me, baby. Hablame de seguros.
1: I'm Vera Egghee
0: and Green Grinket Y juntas somos talking
1: Me. So I met Elizabeth at an event called Mind Valley. And right away I just I loved her energy. She was really like um, just so calm, but like experienced. Like you could just tell, you know, that she's been around. So I'm really excited for her to talk to us about um, what we're going to talk about today. Where a lot of actually listeners and um, our followers sent us some messages about like, hey, like this whole transitioning back into the pandemic uh, from the pandemic, which we're mm-hmm. still in, but it's opening. Um, how do I negotiate a job offer salaries? Like I, I'm not afraid to do it. I just don't really know how to do it. But then I asked, I wonder if we're actually afraid to do it. And we say we don't know how to do it, but we're scared. So I don't know. I was like, (laughs) let me me bring in an expert. (laughs) Right. So um, I'm going to pop her in. Hi, Hi, Elizabeth.
2: Hello there, ladies. Good morning. Early morning for you. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We do like to do our early morning um, lives because, as we said, a lot of people are usually getting ready for work on uh, PFC. Tell us where you're at, Elizabeth. The I'm just
2: outside of New York City, so East Coast time awesome. and a beautifully gray day. Although we had an amazing weekend, I was down in Virginia this weekend, so my very son goes cool. to university there, so it was parents' weekend. But Yay. flew back last night and glad to start this week with you, both of you. Yay, same Awesome, years. very
0: nice to meet you. Nice to meet
2: you. Yeah, I was really
1: excited for you guys to meet, and I was just sharing with folks um, how we met, and I also just wanted to point out um, Elizabeth's been. Um, over 25 years in financial services, at the very top, Deutsche Bank, Prudential, Blackstone. If you haven't heard, Sarah Blakely sold, etc. Blackstone. So, um, yeah, she's been around the block. I feel
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, lots of experience. Yeah. So. And one of the things that I
1: actually really wanted to point out, Elizabeth, is that um, I actually came from the corporate background forever and when I met you I was I'd been I'd been out I did make it seem like I'd been out for about a year and a half and you know one of the things that you point out is that you don't want corporate women to leave difficult um leave because it's difficult or horrible right and that's actually what was my experience I left because it was awful and yeah. I just think like the fact that you want to create um first of all a corporate individual woman that you know stands for herself first and understands what she wants and enters into an environment that could potentially be nurturing is amazing. So um, yeah, I'll let you speak on that. But again, we're here today because we had a lot of listeners um, who wanted to understand, like, do you have any tips? Like, how should I negotiate my salary? What do I do with my job offer? And just entering a space um, for career growth, right? What should they do? And it's not just women that we hear from, it is mixed. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that I can say, it's a lot of um, women or people of color, so um, mm-hmm. I think that also when you don 't have access to that information at a younger age it can it can become very confusing when you enter the working world
2: yeah, sure, no, it makes sense, and I think you know you hit on the fact that you're you 're right for me it 's all about people enjoying what they do, right? Like mm-hmm. that's my first mission mm-hmm. is for people to be fulfilled in their careers and in their life overall. However, I have found a lot of people, both men and women, are leaving corporate worlds because I think the surveys, like Gallup does this poll every once in a while that shows like 70% of people are disengaged in work, right? Mm-hmm. And you're right, I remember saying, I say to people all the time, please don't quit your corporate jobs. Like if you can possibly, like let's give people the tools and the empowerment in order to be able to enjoy their their corporate lives so much better and negotiating salaries and compensation is one of the key power gaps right it's one of those things and that's why it's particularly for women and particularly for persons of color when you are in an environment where you feel powerless or you feel like you know there's systemic isms against you. Mm -hmm then it's even harder. And so 100%, I definitely hear this topic much more from my, from my women clients and particularly um, people of color. But it is universal. It is definitely an issue for everybody in terms of knowing, okay, what do I do? And where do, where do I go in terms of thinking about how to negotiate my pay? Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. absolutely. Talking about stories, I actually read one uh, that said that 60% of women have never negotiated their salary that was like what and also uh that's the main of the the, one of the main reasons why we change jobs so that's a wake-up call also for for companies right because it's easier to move to another job than to really ask for what you think it should be uh you know your pay but most of the reasons I guess at least for me is like sometimes we don't know the The game. We don't know the. There's like a rules. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's why I'm so excited about this this topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one thing we were just talking about
1: before coming on here was how, um you know, you look at a job description, as a woman, and you're like, ah, but okay, do I have that bachelor's? Do I have that master's degree? I don't know if I can do that. And a man looks at it, he's like, oh, fake it till you make it, (laughs) right? (laughs) I mean there are studies that actually show that that men can won't even it won't phase them but again they're uh, i think we're also conditioned differently in society but you know if you could share with us just like maybe a little bit of an understanding as to why um there is that resistance especially with women to ask for more um Mm -hmm. and some tips and your experience with your clients and let us know a little bit about how it is that um you know you do teach them to
2: empower themselves, to be able to ask for what they want. Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I think that we have to, we have to be fair to ourselves to realize that there's a lot of, there's a lot of social norms out there, right. With mm-hmm. respect to patriarchy and what's expected of men, you know, men and women. And I, Men come into the world feeling like they're told by society they're supposed to be providers. They're supposed to be breadwinners. They're supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to be able to earn like money is success and that intense pressure on them puts puts compensation and money to the forefront, not just for them as individuals, but for the people that are hiring them and and promoting them and, and and paying them and you know as they move through the ranks. And so often, I mean I was a chief operating officer for a lot of my of my career, and that meant that I paid everybody. I saw every single sometimes even my own, everybody's compensation and where they fell. And I just always looked at it and felt like, okay, if this somehow like escaped my desk. If someone, you know, broke into my office and had a copy of this file, would I be able to justify to people where where they're falling in terms of like if for example, very often I ended up with like two co-heads, one male, one female, and the woman was on a different page of the file, and I would I would come to the management team and I'd say why she paid so much less oh well she doesn't have as much experience and she's really more on the like behind the scenes side he's up front with the clients and right and they would give me all these issues and i'm like well that's great has anybody sat down with her and said if you go and spend more time with the clients and you're more on the revenue generator we value that more and they would just look at me thinking no, why would we do, you know, why would we tell her that? It's like, oh. So then I would take her out for coffee and I'd say, you need to spend more time with the clients, right? You need to be there. And she's like, no, well, I could do that, but he can't do what I do. And I'm like, oh, don't you love that? I hear that from people all the time. And not just my, I know my focus is on women, but I want to make sure we're universal for your clients. That yes. that could be um, two men, right? Or it could be a, mm-hmm. a, a white man and a, and a Hispanic man, right? It, it doesn't really matter. It's just that there are biases. And very often, like the person who's out generating the revenue Versus the PhD in mathematics who's running all the, all the you know, detailed, complicated formulas behind the scenes is valued less. And I think a lot of times I, I find people will come and they'll, and they'll accept a job offer and they'll accept the pay and they feel good about it. And they feel like, OK, this is this is this is enough money. It feels, it feels like I'm being paid fairly. And what they don't realize is that they're, when they find out later that they're being underpaid relative to their partner or relative to up here or somewhere else in the organization, all of a sudden they're miserable and outraged. And they're like, wait a minute, I wasn't being paid fairly. And so I think people need to be honest with themselves when they're joining a new job, or when they're in the process of getting promotion and, and pay increases, what really matters to you? Is it the absolute number? Is it that you're you're comparing yourself to other people? Is it that fairness matters? And you would say like, oh, isn't that obvious fairness matters? No, for some people, they, they don't really care about fairness. A, lo- a lot of people are much more just about the absolute number. And when you talk about studies, they have actually done this study where, they showed that people were willing to actually make less money if they if they felt they were in the top quartile, then make more money and be in the bottom quartile. Like people people really care about where they rank relative to other people. It's just, it's in our survival nature, right? I mean, this is just genetics in terms of who we are as people. We're a survival of the fittest species. And so that competitiveness comes out in terms of the, the neurology, but people being honest with themselves is one of the key first steps to negotiating any salary and making sure that you really understand where you're coming from and what matters most to you.
1: Yeah. Why you want it. Right. That is actually something that I'm, um... A lot of times we're just assuming, well, I want it because I want more money. And even then, why mm. do you want more money? What does that do for your lifestyle? How much more money do you want? There's just a lot of questions that I realize um, if I reflect back, I probably should have dug deeper as to when and why I would expect more and how, and how to have that. It, it would inform my conversation. It would definitely also inform my confidence.
2: Right. And I think you and I have spoken about the fact that one of the I keep track of the mistakes people make in negotiations. And one of the big mistakes people make in negotiating their compensation is seeing it as a zero sum game. Right. So Mm -hmm. they come in and they come in thinking it's I win, you you know, you win, I lose, I win, you lose. Right. So that the the boss has money (laughs) and that if you get more money, he has less money or she has less money. To pay other people or for their budget or whatever it is, and so therefore you're starting that negotiation as a trade-off, as a as a conflict, as opposed to approaching the negotiation, which is, listen, we both have the we are aligned in our objectives. The person sitting across the table from me wants what I want, which is for me to do a really good job, to have a successful career, to continue to take on additional responsibilities, to be engaged at work, to move up the you know move up the chain, right? If you're not, if this isn't the person sitting across the table from you, then you you took the wrong job. But you would hope that the person you're sitting across the table from is aligned in terms of their generic overall objectives for you. When you take it and reframe it that way, then you're sitting across the table with someone where you can say, "How can we? How can we help me help you? Right? How can we make sure that that we maximize here?" And that's why again the research is so important because knowing upfront what what you like what what is available to that person sitting across the table right what is within their control in terms of flexible work hours in terms of you know work from home or work from office these days i find a lot of people now want to work from office can i come in one or two days a week i can't be at home anymore right so how can i work from office so you've got you've got that you've got vacation days you've got other benefits one of the things i told you Vera, that i remember negotiating with i had a really really hard boss once it was like a Uh, A trader like by he had grown up as a trader and was just like really tough had a very, very reputation for being very difficult in negotiations and never lost and I had to go in and negotiate the biggest pay increase I've ever had because I was moving countries. And so I was moving my whole family, it was a big deal. And so I went in and I said, "Okay, this is the number I'm going to ask for, but I want to be prepared with other things. And one of the things I had asked him for was I want to do I want to have a responsibility that's outside of our group, but is for the bigger department so I can get some exposure to your peers and my peers and to your boss and, uh, and that was something I wanted to negotiate because I felt like that's a longer term career thing for me. It's not just about what I'm being paid right now. Now he said, no, <laughs> and it went, because he, it was the thing he could say no to. I gave him something. He said, no, you're going to be too busy with this job. It, it, definitely not. I'm paying you this amount of money. And I can't remember what the second thing was I had asked him for. I think maybe it was moving my, I wasn't going to move my family for like five months and I was going to commute. And so he was like, fine, you can commute, move the family in February. But, um, you, you can't do something outside of the group you're 100% mine now months later it turned out he ended up asking me to do something for the other department because I had put that in his head right and so when I looked at the negotiation as an overall thing and thought okay what else is easy for him to give me so that it's not you know it's not if I lost a little bit on the money I knew well then I can push him on these other two things which was not moving my family for five six months Um, And being able to do some responsibilities outside of the group that would have been willing to I would have been willing to lose a little bit of money in the short term for that because I knew it was an investment in my long term career. So I think that's one of the big mistakes people make is that they look at negotiations as like just this monetary transaction as opposed to really thinking broadly and thinking long term Um, Mm because a lot of times I've also I've had clients where they say they won't budge they're only giving me this and I'll say can you negotiate a review in six months right can you negotiate a a pay review or a leveling review or can you ask them tell them you really want to see where you fall in terms of you know your quartile ranking because you really want to know that you're in you know you're ranked in a certain place that you want them to to validate that Mm -hmm. for you
0: because once
2: you've agreed that oh well for me it's really more about being fair and I, I don't want I, I don't believe that um, you know there's mistrust there. I don't think I'm being treated fairly relative to my peers. Then bring that to HR, bring that to your manager and, and just say, I really wanna make sure that I'm, you know I'm being paid fairly. And the last thing I would say on that longer term thing is a lot of times I've had clients where they go in, they fight hard, they get more money and they feel great and they come back to me and they're like, this is great, I got everything I wanted. And then two years later, they're like, I haven't had a raise in two years. And I'm like, (laughs) what happened there? Well, a couple of different things happened there. One of the things that happens really often is that a lot of companies have salary bans, right? And so the person negotiated being $5,000 over the salary band. And so until the salary band moves for them to catch up to it, they're stuck and they didn't know it right because they didn't they weren't thinking long term they were just thinking about this transaction so another big mistake people make when negotiating salaries is just thinking about it transactionally and thinking about it in the short term as opposed to really understanding where could I be? You know, they love to interview you and say, where do you want to be in five years? Well, how about this? Tell me where I could be in five years. Like, what could be my title? What could be my compensation? What could be my responsibility? Um, and to think more than just the pay, really think about what are the things that are going to invest in yourself in terms mm-hmm. of your, your future career? I picked up on
1: two. Oh my God. Re- I know, it sounds like... I'm like, like, oh, yeah, I'm picking now. Like I never <laughs> everything. <seen. laughs> Um, I picked up on two really important things that I I don't think a lot of when you're in that moment of like, you know, excitement and fear and, okay, I'm going to ask for more, et cetera. Give them something they can say no to because you do have to do your research and find out who is your boss, who is that, and who's their boss and what is within their, um, I don't know, circle of authority, right? To be able to say yes without having to get, approval from whoever his boss or her boss is. A second thing that I picked up on was um, I just lost my train of thought. Say no. And the other thing was, where could I be? I think that is Uh such an important thing. And um, you know, for folks listening that might not be in a corporate environment, this still applies in general to um, smaller businesses. You might, you Mm -hmm. have to understand what is that small business able to do for you. And then you can say, should I stay there? Or, you know, is there something that's more, I don't know, maybe more recognition or something that they can't always give you more money depending on the size of the company, but there are always other ways to grow because I, I genuinely think that human beings, um, when, our, when our basic needs are met and then some a little bit, maybe you just want to save something, then you want to do something that helps, that helps people, that helps your community, helps your family. So I think to have that conversation also, um, if it is a smaller business, that could also be quite satisfying, right? And if it's not yeah. and you really are focused on money, then you have to also maybe talk to somebody like Elizabeth so you can put yourself on a career path um, you know, <laughs> towards something like that. But those two things really stood out.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's funny because when I do talk to people about their job job satisfaction and when they're ready to leave, why they're leaving their career, honestly, very rarely do people say, I'm just not paid enough. It's really not the reason they leave. It is usually more broader issues. It's usually the cultural issues. It's their relationship. It's that they feel they can't get ahead, right? It's not that I'm underpaid relative to to my peers, or, or or the job just doesn't make an, you know enough money. Mm-hmm. They, people will know that, like you said earlier, if you do switch companies, and this is really hard when you're in a corporate environment. I used to have this problem all the time. You'd have an opening, you'd go to hire someone, and then you have to pay them 20% more, and now they're all, and then everyone else who was already there is like, wait a minute, I've been here 10 years, I have all this loyalty to the company, and I'm being paid less than the new person, right? And that's, yeah. it's a really hard thing. and again i used to look at my compensation sheets all the time and say could i you know could i justify this to to people or do i need to you know do we need to make some adjustments there and Mm -hmm. so i think that's a really complicated you know it's a complicated thing but i think thinking broader than just the numbers really helps and to the point that you highlighted on about giving something to say no to you're right it's really more make sure that you're giving them something they can say yes and no to right so making sure that you're asking them for things that are within their control i've had clients I had a client who um, is was French living in the US. And um, she's like, you know, I worked for a French company. Now I'm working for an American company. I always work from France the entire month of August, right? My kid, my grand, my mother's there, she takes care of the kids, but I work, you know, from her house in Provence. I don't know what to do now, because now I'm going to work for this American company, I'm gonna have to give that up. And I said, are you gonna have to give that up? Have you had that discussion Mm -hmm. with them? sure enough she asked and she said you know i usually work the entire month of august from france is that possible and they're like no and she said (laughs) why and so she pushed a little and turns out she now works three weeks (laughs) a year so so she does three weeks in august from france you know she sends the kid the kids are older now so she sends them over on the plane a week ahead and then she ends up breaking. so she thought for sure there's no way they're gonna say um, and especially now, by the way, post pandemic, or we are still mid pandemic, there's never been a better time to ask for things that that mm-hmm. actually would make you happier in your role. Mm-hmm. And on the whole, like, give them something to say no to. It's not, I want to be clear, clear, though, it's not a, uh, it's not a strategy in the sense no. that like, you're ge- yeah, you're giving them a dummy thing, right? Because right. my negotiation professor uh, in business school, uh, it, it, like wrote a book on negotiations, that how, that's how good he is. And he said, there is one, the single most important role in negotiation, no matter what, never bluff. And to this day, I tell, I remind people all the time when they're doing their prep documents and research mm-hmm. and they're like, well, maybe I'll just say this. And I'm like, Not if it's not true, right? And it's not about integrity of lying or not lying. It's literally a bad negotiation strategy. Mm -hmm. Bluffing is just never, ever, ever do it, right? So Mm -hmm. I never would say, oh, you know, could you give me this when I don't really want it, thinking they're going to say no. And then I, and because I've lost, you know, I've, I've used, I've used currency for that. And that's just not worth it, right? So I never give them something fake to say no to, right? Give them something they can say yes or no to, but have it matter to you. I mean, it can be in your priority scale lower. Mm -hmm. Him saying no to letting me have a project outside of our group, I was still going to take the job, but I knew he could say yes. I knew I would value it. And I knew I actually had a price on it. I knew I was willing to lose X amount of money for it. Um, He fortunately made it easier for me by giving the money and not that thing. Um, So that was okay. And I'll tell you one other story about that, because this is when negotiation becomes really tricky, is that uh, we got to um, payday, where he was about to give me my bonus. And like I said, I'm a COO, so I saw my numbers ahead. And I said, "Uh, that's not the number we agreed, right? And he was like, yeah, I know, I'm a little short. And I said, and? And he was like, (laughs) well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no he's like I could find some of it can you find some of it from your team and I said no way am I taking money from my own team for myself have you met me do you know anything about me I would never do that I said no I, I don't know what to tell you but it's like that's your commitment and he was like well oh, I, I just don't know if I can do it and I remember that's why I remember now what the second thing that I had asked for was which was not bringing my family over and I said you know my family I didn't threaten <laughs> but I said you know, my family's still in the U.S., right? I haven't moved them over <laughs> here. And he just looked at me, like, all right, I'll find you the money. <laughs> oh, because I remember awesome. when I had the negotiation with him, I was very clear. I said, this is a big commitment. I am pulling my children out of yes. school. My husband is leaving his partners in the U.S. to, you know, have, He's going to be, like, off in his time, five hours time difference, the whole thing that has to be financially worth it for us. Mm. Um, So he knew the two things were tied together when I said, I'm not bringing my family just yet. So I didn't threaten, but I did use that little, you know, that little negotiation tool called leverage. Also, it was a fact, right? It was a fact. (laughs) It was a fact. And my leverage was that I didn't, I could turn around and move back to the U S tomorrow. Right. Cause it was just me and I was living in corporate housing. So it was like, that was, a, or maybe even in a hotel, I think at that point still, mm-hmm. I could just turn around and be like, you can find, and he had been looking for, I also knew he'd been looking for someone for that role for over a year when he found mm-hmm. me. So yeah. I knew what leverage I had. Right. And I think when we were talking about women and people of color earlier, that's the power gap thing, right? Here I was mm-hmm. sitting across the table from a you know superstar at the bank And I was like, just this, you know, little woman but I knew what my leverage was and my leverage was he needed someone in this role. I had already been in that role for six months and was doing a great job. We had bonded. We had trust. We got along He's to this day. I talked to him almost every week on, on chat now because we're still really close. Um, but I knew what my leverage was. And so I think that's important for people when they're trying to figure out how am I going to negotiate? They need to know what power they, they feel powerless. And they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I just have to accept this job because mm-hmm. I may never find another job. And I've been debt, desperate I've been looking for a job right and I hear that a lot right now mm-hmm. and I think looking for like flipping it around and saying but what do I have that they you know that they need for me mm-hmm. um, I had someone the other day message me and say oh, I just found out that this, this company that I'm, I've been dying. it's my dream job she literally said this is the company I've wanted to work for for years that they don't hire people who come from financial services so that dream is dead and I said why why can't you be the exception why can't mm-hmm. you be the first Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Thank you." How oh, she wrote back was, mm-hmm. "Thank you." <laughs> like, yeah, you can be. So stop letting the world make you powerless and and giving you these, mo- you know, giving you these the story that you've created in your head. Because I think, Vera, mm-hmm. you said it right. There is a bit of fear there. It's sure, fear. It's yes. messaging. We've we've let the world give us these messages. Stop mm-hmm. the noise and let's look inside mm-hmm. ourselves and say, "Wait a minute, I have a lot more power than I realize."
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important for all of us to remember. You know, some some listeners might say, well, yeah, you're talking about a multinational and overseas and all that. I'm like, hey, I you know, I was in a multinational. I was overseas in Switzerland. And I still I wish that I had been um, more informed earlier when I went into it, because those companies do have a lot to give. You just have to ask for it because they will also not give. They don't, they're like, Oh, they didn't ask for it. So why should I give it? It's just a mentality. So once you're, you know, once you understand that, you're like, no, I would like this, this, and this. And you know, yes, there might be some, you uh, you know, if you are a woman of color, you might be even more afraid to ask for certain things, but, um, and there are a lot of corporations that don't look at that. They just want to be, can you do the job? That's what they want. And ask for it.
2: I think sometimes people think that negotiating with a big company in some ways is easier than a smaller company. Uh, because they have more money to give but you're right there's a lot more po- process there's a lot more rules there's level i know some of these tech mm-hmm. companies they have like 27 levels right where you're moving up the rank i remember that at prudential too i was a level 11 supervisor a level 25 matter like it was like levels everything was leveled whereas i think sometimes in small business there actually is more even though it's out of that that individual business owner's pocket and therefore when you're thinking about that mistake about seeing it as a zero-sum game the money becomes more important they also have a Lot more to give if you understand really the operations of the organization, right? And really understanding, okay, what matters, you know, what matters most to them in a way that I could actually maybe there's things I can add or I can bring or I can um, move responsibilities around or take something off their plate, right? Because I think if you've been hired for a particular job and, and they say this is what that job pays. There's really sometimes easy ways to be able to say, but what if I also did this, right? What if I Mm -hmm. also ran this volunteer thing? What if I was in charge of the women's network or the, um, you know, the person's of color network, right? right? Like a lot of things that were passionate to you that are not part of your core job description that the boss needs help with, right? What if you say, hey, listen, I volunteer. Everyone's hiring, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, Um, heads right now big companies are well small companies don't have that so Mm -hmm. what if it's something I'm passionate about can I add that to my job description and tell a business owner you know what I'm really passionate about this or I'm really passionate about Habitat for Humanity whatever it is and add that in, you know, ESG is a really big thing right now. And mm-hmm. small companies can't afford to have heads of all the different, of governance, of, you know, social, of, um, uh, of, you know, sustainability, like all of these topics. So it's yeah. just one example of trying to think more broadly to say with a small, you know, with a small company or a small business owner or a small branch or whatever it is, what what's, something, what's something that I yeah. can do there that, um, that can help justify the additional pay I'm asking for.
0: And in your experience, I mean, uh, coming back to information is power. You know, sometimes in corporate, we don't really know. We don't, the corporation, like I said, don't mention certain things that are available. It's like, there's not a really an environment that encouraged that communication. Like, I, I don't know what my levels are above or before, or, you know, over me, actually. What are the ways that you can learn? You, you mentioned something about being aware of your company, of all that stuff. But how, how are, are little... Uh, steps to go into that direction because I actually I don't think a lot of people know how to start and also you know when you start getting like too inquisitive some people don't want to be too inquisitive either because they're like oh see how do you <laughs> they're like oh, questions no, you
1: ask? ask for money <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and again it's not all about the money like you mentioned it's about opportunities so yeah. how is the way that you can you know handle how you start that conversation. And what
2: is the tone of that conversation? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I, I think the tone is always about, again, the win win, right? Like, okay. I want to be, I want a long, successful, highly engaged, productive career here. Don't you want that for me too? So, to be able to understand, listen, I want to, like, I wanted to come in and do a good job in here and now, but I also want to know that there's somewhere for me to go. So, it would really help me to understand. What the structure looks like here, right? How do the promotion processes work? How do people, you know, earn promotions and earn additional responsibility? And a lot of times, mm-hmm. managers are like just come in and do a good job. And You're like, no, no, that's a given. I'm gonna come in and do a good um, job, but yeah, I also, <laughs> you interviewed me and asked me where I see myself in five years, so now I want you to tell me w- what are the options for where I could be in five years. And I, and I, so I think if you have that tone with respect to we both want the same thing, and it's a good long successful career for me, it's really hard for people not to not to engage with you on that I think mm-hmm. if in the right organization human resources should you know be really helpful HR has always been I know a lot of people complain about HR it's always been an amazing partner for me and so and I'm with my HR people I always made sure that they shared as much information as they could it doesn't like keeping that stuff secret doesn't really help because then people get disappointed later mm-hmm. the other thing I tell people to do is um, ask but even before you've accepted you know accepted the job Ask for a coffee with a peer or a virtual coffee at this point, right? Say, listen, I'd really mm-hmm. like to talk to someone who does this role or a similar role or who's at my level in a different department, like just to find a peer that I could get some, you know, a not, you know it, 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 confidential input from them. And that's usually a really good person um, to ask, right? What do they know? How does it work? And if they don't know, then that tells you something too, because then it tells you, wait a minute, this organization isn't really transparent. Uh, in terms of how you know compensation you know compensation works i have a client the other day i messaged her we haven't talked in a couple months and i said don't forget this is the time of year where you're supposed to go to your boss and tell him you want to make more money next year because i know the cycle for that organization in terms of when they mm-hmm. start doing their compensation planning and she said okay thank you you know i'll go talk to him <laughs> because otherwise you know you have to know you have to know when you see your boss and the coo and hr meeting in conference you're, you're like oh, they're doing pay and promotion. It's the pay and promotion cycle, right? Like, so know what time of year that is and know to be able to have those conversations because so often people will come up later and say,
0: Oh, he said, I was, you
2: know, he was too late. I came to him in December and the numbers were already decided. I have to wait till next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many times can you have that happen? So, you know, make sure. And, or people will say, oh, I was, they, I didn't know they weren't putting me up for, you know, for director this year or MD this year or whatever it might be. So the information is, is really, is really important. And so mm-hmm. I think there are, you're right to ask, what's the tone? And that tone should mm-hmm. always be excited, engaged. Like, I want to be here. I just want to make sure that I know what. I'm getting into. It. I don't want I want to no know regrets, right? I always tell people like go in no regrets. I Also, I just want to comment quickly on what you said about um, information is power. Because that's another one of the myths that it's true. And you're 100% right. But it's one of the myths that um, I think people use in the wrong way when they're negotiating okay. that they think information is power. So I'm not going to tell them anything, right? That yes. So they're like, I'm just not going to, I'm, I'm going to keep a lot of information in. Or they go the absolute extreme and they give you a sob story, right? Where they're like, listen, I'm a single mother, I'm divorced. My husband was a deadbeat and I pay alimony and child support to him, but I have the kid. And you're just like, "Uh uh-uh, it's it's irrelevant. Too much information. It's irrelevant information, right? So- Information is str- information is power, but information is also strategic and how mm. you use it and what you share and its relevancy. And you, you don't want to create um, a, a tense situation by oversharing or going with emotions. And my husband and I were recently buying a house and the broker on the other side said, um, everybody just keeps coming to me with a sob story. And my broker said, listen, my clients don't have a sob story, but they have a good offer. They have money for this house, so you pick. And um, because, you know, it it can really, you know, when you're selling things, very often marketers will tell you, oh, go for the emotion, right? Like, go for the fear, go for the anger. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't really want to do that in a negotiation for your own pay. You really want to try because you're going to have to work together, right? And so you want to go in with that win, you know, that win-win of being able to understand, okay, how can we both get what we need out of here? Because they Mm -hmm. obviously want to hire me and I obviously want to work here. So let's make this happen
1: yeah i would really sum it up like go in with an intention of win-win not an expectation of just winning right love that yeah Yeah. that's really good so um i know we're kind of a little bit past the time i don't want to take up too much of your time elizabeth but um can you tell us where people can find you like i will say obviously you guys i always point to that little circle up top if you don't know what it is click on it and you'll see talk insurance to me you see and you also see juliet.works um, but can you share the website with us or any other, um, you know, angles that people can
2: find, uh, where they can find you at basically. Yeah, sure. I mean, Juliet, you know, Juliet works on Instagram is a great place to start because I my bio link, we have all the other links there, my LinkedIn, my website, whatever free content I'm giving away. So I love that Instagram has that bio link that you can mm-hmm, just have yes. like the one tag. So I make it easy for people just go there and see what appeals to you. You can also, you know, direct message me. I'm better on direct message on LinkedIn than I am on Instagram. But um, reach out if there's something specific uh, or specific questions we didn't get to. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy to answer.
0: Yes. Thank you so much. It was, it was a really great topic. Thank you for your time. You bet. Yeah. It was a I pleasure.
1: Know. Thank you so much for tuning
0: in. If you want to learn more, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as at Chuck Insurance to Me. Let us know if you have a topic that you'd like to hear about. I'm Excel. I'm Vera. We'll you see you next know. time.